Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Okay, real quick before we start the show, um, I am really dumb and didn't record the press conference the way that I thought I did. Um, I already had to go through and like listen in as hard as I could to try to get the to be able to hear like what was being said so that I could go write a story. You guys don't want to have to live through that, and so I said that I was going to include the audio. It is not in there, but uh, if the Buffs send out their audio file from the like Q and A meet and greet thing that we had today, which I'm about to explain if you guys don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, so plan is here's the podcast and then if i get the high quality audio file then i will throw that in the podcast feed as well so stay on the lookout for that but i want to get this up um now so that people can listen obviously like that's the whole point um sorry about that and here's all this welcome into the dnvr buffs podcast presented by the colorado xos I'm Henry Chisholm, and I just got off a call with, oh boy, this is going to be a long list, Shannon Turley, the new uh, director of football performance for Colorado, also typically known as like a strength coach. Uh, Brett Maxey, the safeties coach, entering his second season as, as, as the safeties coach, but his first season as CU's defensive passing game coordinator. Uh, Chris Wilson, who is in his second season as defensive line coach, but his first season as defensive coordinator, um, Mark Smith, the new inside linebackers coach, and Brian Cook, who was promoted from defensive quality control to tight ends coach. Um, a whole lot of information, and here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to talk about all my thoughts about all of this, and then I'm going to include just audio from the whole call. So any of you who have an extra hour that you don't know what to do with. If you want to hang out and hear what these guys had to say for yourselves, uh, get to know some of the new faces with Buffs football, you can stick around and that will be right there for you. Um, tomorrow, we're going to dig in and preview the spring camp, which starts on Monday. Uh, previewed the offense yesterday. Go back and check that out if you haven't. Previewing the defense tomorrow should be a lot of fun. Um, also, good news, I get to go to both of the Buffs scrimmages. I think April 6th and 16th, maybe? If not, it's like the 7th and 19th or something, right around there. Um, and so I know I'm really excited about that. Figured I'd uh, make you all jealous real quick before I say a couple more words about the Colorado XOs. 
Uh, the Colorado XOs are Colorado's rugby team. They are 2-1, and one, and that's really impressive given that those are the first three games for almost everybody on the roster. They're all former soccer players or former football players or basketball players who are learning how to play rugby and hopefully getting onto the U.S. national team at some point because the U.S. national team trains at Infinity Park in Glendale at the Rugby Town National Training Center, the exact same place where the Colorado XOs operate. Um, it's a really cool idea that they've had, just trying to funnel some talent into the, the national program. And you can follow along with DNVR Rugby on Twitter, the DNVR Rugby podcast, and with the written content from Colton Strickler at thednvr.com. Um, yeah, check it out. Fun stuff. All right. Um, I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of information and... My note taking was not as good as it typically is. Like, like usually, like by the end of the season, the notes that I'm able to get from press conferences are just straight fire, and and they make the podcast so much easier. And I haven't I haven't taken a lot of football notes recently, so bear with me. Um, let's start with Shannon Turley. Um, we talked uh, uh, about. Uh, a bunch of different things. Um, the key points from Shannon Turley are that he feels that he needs to es establish himself, kind of prove himself to this football team. Um, and, and he thinks that that right now is kind of his role. Um, you know, at Stanford, obviously he was there for like a decade about, and during that time, a lot of really good things happened in the program. They went from like a, a one-win team to a national contender. Uh, they sent a whole bunch of people to the NFL. Uh, a whole bunch of great things happened. Do the kids on CU's roster recognize all of that and understand for? Eh, maybe. I think I think they probably know that Shannon Turley's like a big name, but. They need to see it for themselves. They need to see what he can do for them. Um, and, and he talked about the importance of doing that in, in recruiting as well. Um, when it's his turn to talk to kids who are on their virtual visits, that's his job is to teach kids and their parents just how important the strength coach, basically how important the strength coach's job is and what they can actually do for you. And then pitch himself as a really good strength coach, which, you know, he can do because he has that resume. He has national uh, strength coach of the year awards on his, on his what? On his, on his desk. I don't know where he keeps it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that was kind of the, the big thing is that he wants to be in Boulder, and prove that he is, you know, as as good as his reputation would say. And he didn't like put it that way. He wasn't like talking about his reputation. He wasn't talking about his accomplishments. But, you know, as we talk about those things and put them in perspective, I think that that is an important piece of the perspective. Um, on top of that, uh, he talked a lot, not a lot. He talked a little bit about kind of catering what he does to the student athlete, which is something that we've known about him and is kind of one of the, the hallmarks of his strength and conditioning program, you know. Um, he has like these base plans that work by position, but then they get tweaked by age and then they get tweaked by injuries that you've had. And then they get tweaked by whatever until eventually you get the, the specialized plan for every single individual. Um, it definitely sounds great. And again, he's had good results in the past. And when you have those two pieces, 
it's easy to trust it. Um, which again is kind of, in his opinion, what it's all about. Um, he said that he's been really impressed with the people. Uh, he's happy with um, the team and how they've responded. Again, it's still early, but you know, I think uh, that's the stuff. I-, I asked him why Boulder. He talked a lot about um, the first of all, like it's Boulder. I mean, who doesn't want to live in Boulder? And he's taken plenty of trips to Boulder before. Uh, he also talked about his first game at Stanford. That was a loss to Carl Durrell's UCLA team. Um, and he's known Carl pretty well. He's had a lot of respect for him, uh, recruited his son, did a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, actually has ties to a couple of the the people on the staff right now, including Aziz Shitu, um, who was, I think, played at Stanford under him and he said has been very helpful in this process. Um, first of all, as somebody who can kind of like act as like a go between between the players and the strength coach, not because Shannon isn't talking to the players himself, but because, you know, it's, it's good for him to be able to say, Hey, what do I need to know about whatever player or for um, Aziz to be able to, you know, when he's talking to the players say, yeah, Shannon knows his stuff. And, and there's, a, there's a decent little bit of infrastructure, a whole lot more that needs to be kind of put in place in terms of like just how people go about their business on a daily basis. Um, it's a project kind of overhauling the strength program. And, you know, he made a, he made a joke um, pretty, pretty early on, I think before it actually technically started um, and said something like, uh, you know, you know, once I get my equipment in here too, then, then we'll really be going and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, it's he, he brings good energy. Um, seems like a smart guy. He's he's definitely very confident in the plan that he's put together, and he's obviously put a lot of effort into figuring out how to put together plans like this. Um, he did talk about leaving Stanford, and it, it was pretty interesting to hear. Um, so, without going, I mean. The reason we can't go into all the details of the story is that we don't know the details. Um, you know, Turley was there. I think he hi- got hired in 2007. Um, and then in the spring of 2019, about two years ago, um, he was fired. And again, none of the real details have come out. Um, I think uh, the report from Rivals said that the quote was, there was an issue brought to Stanford's attention involving a former player. So that could be almost anything. And if you look around the internet, I'm sure you can find some rumors. There is, like, nothing that backs any of them up. And so I'm not going to, like, dig into the rumors here. Um, But, yeah, I mean, just because that happened, you know, he he was asked, I think it was Brian Howell uh, who asked him, you know what happened and what has the response been like like how did it feel to get let go after all that time at Stanford and basically what he said was you know I made a mistake and it's an opportunity to grow and you know you can either spend your time blaming the people around you or saying that he put me in this situation or whatever 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 but the truth is I needed to be better and I'm going to be better and this is an opportunity to move forward and so by taking responsibility I mean that's all you can ask at this point right like it would have been cool if he didn't do whatever he did involving a former player whatever that could possibly be but given that that is just a thing that has already happened 
what more can you say than I made a mistake and I think I've grown from it and I'm ready to keep using that as something that will make sure that I, I do the right thing moving forward. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of tough to comment too much more just because you don't know. I mean, if it was something serious, then it, it would be a mistake to give this job to Shannon Turley, no matter how good of a strength coach he is. If it is something really minor, then yeah, bring him in. And just because we don't know what exactly went down, and odds are we will never know what exactly went down, you just got to trust that Carl Durrell and Rick George did their due diligence and, and made the right decision. And, you know, at the very least, Colorado does have a very good strength coach. And that's and bringing him in is going to help when it comes to just purely on the field results. Seems like a nice guy in the 10 minutes that I talked to him. I do wonder what's going on. So, so there you go. Um, there's a bunch of Shannon Turley stuff. Uh, let's move along. I think Brett Maxey was next. Yes, he was. So, Brett, like I said, is passing game coordinator. He got on, immediately said, uh, so, yeah, I'm a passing game coordinator now. That means that whenever there's a big play, um, some, something explosive in the passing game, I'm the guy you look to. I'm the guy who you blame. Uh, you know, this, it's, it's all my responsibility now. And, he said, and then he just, like, started laughing. He's like, ah, I'm just trying to, like, break the ice. And, and it was pretty funny because, obviously, like, it's, it, it's not all on him. But... Some of it certainly would be. Um, and, and he talked a little bit about the explosive plays and how you limit those. Um, and he, he talked a lot about how in the NFL you kind of play this, like, top-down defense. Um, you, you At least in the passing game, you know, if, if they've got five receivers going into routes, who's the most important receiver to cover? Whichever one's closest to the end zone because you get it to that guy and he might just be gone. Uh, from there, second closest, next closest, um, and... He said that he's been in so many systems and he's seen so many things that he's just ready to be able to implement all of his favorite things he's learned from somebody along the way at Colorado. And, you know, it's kind of tough for me to put into words all the things he said because I, I he, he, he has a lot of experience. And so I don't know what exactly he's pulling from or any of that, but... I do know that what he so said sounded really good, and, and I, I, I'm i excited to see what he can put together in terms of coverages. Um, they're going to be very multiple. They're, they're going to run a bunch of different things. Um, they're going to put their players in the best situations they can to succeed. Um, and when I talk about the experience, I mean, he went to college at Texas Southern, um, was a defensive back for the Saints from 1985 to 93, the Falcons in 94, the Panthers in 95 and 96, the 49ers in 97. Uh, he was a quality control coach. He was the defensive backs coach uh, with the Panthers in 98. Um, he was assistant secondary coach from 99 to 2001 with the 49ers, got promoted to actual defensive backs coach for two years, took the same position um, with the Falcons for three years after that, uh, spent a year with the Dolphins in the secondary the year after that, uh, four years as defensive backs coach with the uh, Cowboys after that, two years as defensive back coach with the Titans after that, uh, then Vanderbilt, uh, then just then the year after, just the cornerbacks at Vanderbilt, uh, then the Buccaneers for three years, he's defensive backs coach. IMG Academy, that's where a, a lot of the top 
talent in every high school sport is coming from is the IMG Academy in Florida. He was their defensive coordinator in 2019. And then obviously safeties coach in Colorado last year. That is a long, long resume. And it starts in like 1981. Um, He's worked with so many really, really um, talented coaches He's coached defensive backs in so many places. I'm excited to see. There is very real upside with Brett Maxey. And one of the things he said, and I'm I'm not happy that he said it right at the end because I would have loved a chance to like get another question in to, to, to kind of ask for some details. But what he said was, you know, Carl knows what my goals are. He knows what I want to do as a coach. Um, and... That is why I really appreciate him giving me this opportunity to to take a little step forward toward my goals. The question I wanted to ask, of course, was, what are your goals? You know, what, where, where are you trying to get? And and I think it's probably pretty easy to figure out. Um, most coaches they want to get a head coaching job. That is the dream for just about everybody. The path there, especially for Brett Maxey, probably as a defensive coordinator. Defensive passing game coordinator, well, now you're just a half step away from uh, getting that defensive coordinator job. You do well there for a couple years, you can be a head coach somewhere. Um, That's the way that Carl Durrell wants to run this staff. And one of the other things I remember, Shannon Turley, was it Shannon Turley? Uh, I don't know that it was. Um, It was either him or it was Mark Smith, the inside linebackers coach. I think it was Mark Smith who said, uh, you know, When you're around a bunch of new players, they want to impress you. Like they understand that you are important. And that is true of like all, all of the new coaches. They, all the players want to impress new guys because they know they're all in the meetings when they decide who plays and who doesn't. And when you have a healthy program, you have coaches move on. You have, you know, TC McCartney take the running backs coach job with the New York Jets. That's a nice promotion. And young coaches, see that they went through Carl Durrell's system and got uh, progressed into their next position after going through uh, CU, you know, more young coaches are going to want to come to Colorado. Um, Brett Maxey getting promoted from safeties coach to defensive passing game coordinator, you know, that's the type of progression that you want to see if you're a coach trying to decide if you want to join this coaching staff. And, just naturally, you should have a couple people you're elevating every year within your program. You should have a couple people who find better jobs at other programs. And that little bit of turnover just keeps this healthy, you know, wanting to prove it from from guys on the roster. And I think that we, we've seen now just how this program can work. Um, under Carl Durrell, you know, and he's talked about before. He wants to do right by his coaches. He knows that they all have goals. And this kind of this this kind of slow churn as guys rise through the ranks or get replaced, that's what you want to see. Um let's see, was there anything else before we move on from Brett Maxey? That was the big stuff. Um he said obviously he he spends a lot of time with Demetrius Martin. Um, the, the cornerbacks coach, everything they do is kind of like they talk every day about coverages and all that kind of stuff, what they want to run, what fits best with their personnel. Um, and maybe this is a good time to get into Chris Wilson, the new defensive coordinator, because he had a lot of things that I was excited to hear as well. I mean, first of all, just his energy. Like, I, I think it comes from a couple of different places. Um, 
but the way that he talked about, you know, this isn't my first time as a defensive coordinator. I've, I've done this before, and I've done this uh, at Mississippi State before, you know, SEC school. And I think what he said was something like, um, another very uh, another great conference like the Pac-12. He dropped something like that in there that I really enjoyed. Um, but he talked about, you know, he has goals too. And, and this is a situation, you know, if the truth is, if, if you're getting your second run as a defensive coordinator and you're in your early 50s like Chris Wilson is, you, if things don't go well, you might not get many more chances. You know, this this might be it as a defensive coordinator. If things go well, though, who knows? Two years, you might be a head coach. It's pretty crazy, but you can kind of tell that Chris, as an experienced coach who has been in this profession for as long as he has, you know, he understands kind of what's on the line. And, and I really do, and this is just my read, it, it seemed like that is providing some energy for him. Um, he's confident too. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he comes up with. And in terms of responsibilities, then how that gets split between Chris Wilson and the passing game coordinator, Brett Maxey, basically like Chris Wilson calls the defense. He does all that kind of stuff. Um, but all of the coaches really talk um, about everything. You know, all of the defensive coaches are talking about their game plan every week and, and what systems they want to build up and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and they're all just very consistently on the same page with Chris Wilson calling the shots and with Brett Maxey kind of having, you know, may, maybe his voice is worth double in those meetings or something like that um, is how I read it. Or, or when you have the coverage conversations, maybe maybe occasionally he does have final say in, in a thing or two. Um, but Everybody says, you know, it's it's working well, and that's excited to hear. Um, and what's really exciting from Chris Wilson, um, and why I think this is a great match, just real quickly, I mean, Brett Maxey, passing game coordinator, that leaves Chris Wilson to think about the run game more. Remember, he was the one who came in last year and said, we got to change things up. We, we want to run a, a one-gap system because when we go two-gap, two we just don't get enough penetration. And what happens? Colorado finishes top 10 in the country in tackles for loss. Things went really well, um, especially the things that uh, that involved Chris Wilson's decision to uh, push for that change. Um, and I think that that kind of was probably a key piece of him getting this defensive coordinator job. Um, and I think that it, it means that you should be pretty excited about him running all of that kind of stuff and running the defense in general. But with Brett Maxey paying a little bit of extra attention to the back end of the defense, the pieces fit together. But the big reason, though, is that this defense is going to be incredibly versatile. And that's what this is all about. And the way Chris was talking, he was almost like giggling thinking about it. Um, a very, honestly, pretty intense giggle. Um, but, but it was, you know... I think Brian Howell even asked him, you know, like you people always talk about three, four, four, three, their base defense, all that kind of stuff. You know, is, is that even really a thing anymore? And Chris just like smiles and says, you know, one week we might be three, four, one week we might be four, three. What, what that really means is base defense. That's just what you do. 60%, 70% of the game. What, what, what we plan on doing, what our base package is going to be for 60 to 70% of the game. That's going to change every single week. I love that. And you know, I think if you have like a little thing in the back of your head that's telling you 
maybe focus in on what you're good at and have an identity. Yeah, there's something to that. And there's no guarantee that this approach is going to work. But what really brings it all home for me is the emphasis that every coach we talked to today had on putting people in a in a position to succeed. And Chris Wilson even said, you know, you might have a couple of tough downs. There, there might be a couple of plays per game where you, you are challenged, where you are doing something that isn't a perfect match for your skill set. But for the majority, you know, if, if they're running 70 plays and that's happening two or three plays, how many plays does that leave? That leaves like 67 other plays where you are being asked to do something that you are good at. And that's how this is going to work. And I think, you know, he didn't give too many specifics about the mechanics of how things are going to change from week to week. I would imagine, though, that it's all about that star position because you can do so many different things. And maybe it's even more intense, the changes they'll have, than this. But if you think about that 3-4 defense that is kind of the base defense they've run the last couple of years, really it's a 3-3 with the star being considered that fourth linebacker, that fourth, or I guess second outside linebacker, but fourth linebacker who plays outside linebacker. That guy can be a bunch of different things. He can be a cornerback. He can be a safety. He can be a linebacker. You can do almost anything with that piece because the idea is he's just lining up uh, like either if, if there's a slot receiver, he's probably lining up over the slot receiver. If they're going heavy, he's probably um, maybe even like hand in the dirt. You could put him down and have like a four man front. Um, you could have him blitzing off the edge. You could play him more as a traditional outside linebacker. There's a lot of things you can do. And that's why I think that is going to be the key this year, just based on like this, the, the 10, 15 minutes we talked to Chris Wilson. And so it, it, there's a lot of guessing going on here. But I do think that that will be the key because if you wanted to, you could slide that guy onto the defensive line and, and call that basically the same defensive setup. And then you have three linebackers, one kind of on the edge in playing in space on the opposite side, and then two inside linebackers. Um, if you wanted, you could you could have that just be a pure corner. And and if you're playing uh, USC, for example, a team that, I mean, they're not like full-on air raid, but they're they're, they're kind of close, that makes sense. You, you want that extra speed out there as your base because their base is 11 personnel or sometimes even 10 personnel. In, in some weeks might be their base. Whereas you play Stanford, for example, 12 personnel might be their base. And I think that that is what is honestly, of course, going to dictate what Colorado does. That's how defense works. You react to what the offense does. And you know ahead of time, the both, you know the identity of the offense going into the game. And so you set up your defense to, to match that. I wonder if they're switching between like a, a, a true 3-4, a true 4-3, or if it is more of this star position being utilized, I think more creatively would be a decent way to say it. But what we do know for sure is that the defense is not going to look the same week to week. And I'm really excited about that. And again, there, there's a small piece of me that says, simplify things. They're college kids. But because all the coaches were echoing that same sentiment all day, I'm, I, I trust it. I trust it. Um, and because we saw what the defense did last year, there's another level that they can get to, though, still, I think. Um Another thing that Chris Wilson said was uh, about Carson Wells that I really liked. Um, I think somebody asked, like, 
basically like, why was he so good? And the answer was pretty easy uh, for Chris Wilson. He said there are three things. First, you need to pull, uh, you have to know what you're supposed to do. Second, you need to know how to do what you're supposed to do. And third, you need to be so good at that stuff that you can just play fast. Like you need to be able to be so sure that you are playing as fast as possible. And that's why Carson Wells had his big breakthrough last year, according to Chris Wilson. And that's the idea that he is going to apply to basically the whole defense. And and he said, you know, oh, wow, pulling these off the top of my head. He also said there are three things he's in charge of, obviously, like getting the defense ready. But another one was player development. And that is something he's looking at. Oh, I remember what the third was. Uh, The third, and this is something I'm glad I remembered, was he needs to be able to identify talent. Identify their best players. And again, I really like hearing that. Um, Because he said, you know, a lot of games are kind of decided by five or six plays. And on those five or six plays, you need to have your best guys on the field. The rest of the game, you can kind of get by. You know, you would love to have Mustafa Johnson out there on every play. And that's a bad example because he's going to the draft. But, you know, if, if you have uh, Naeem Rodman out there instead on one play, yeah, I mean, you're going to be just fine. If that play is fourth and one and you're up by three points and they're at the 50-yard line with two minutes to go, it better be Mustafa out there. Uh, but he did kind of frame it as almost a challenge to figure out which players need to be on the field. And I think that that is an important thing to address. You know, it, it's not like the video game where, you know, Mustafa Johnson rated 92. Um, Niam Rodman rated 82. Well, of course you're putting Mustafa on the field. You need to be able to go watch these guys play football in practice and say, these are our best 11 Let's find ways to get these 11 on the field. Um, I thought that that was very interesting as well. Um, anything else from Chris Wilson? It, I'm sure there is. If, if you're interested in more, you know where to find it. It's coming up here pretty soon uh, at the end of this podcast. Um, let's take a, a break here before we get into the last two coaches that we heard from um and i'm going to tell you guys about dmvr so uh, obviously we have the dmvr buffs podcast you know about that well did you know that there's uh the dmvr broncos podcast the dmvr nuggets podcast the dmvr gaming podcast uh the denver sports podcast so many awesome dmvr podcasts you can check out there's also written content that you can get access to if you become a member at the dmvr.com on all of those teams plus some more um, there's a discord that you're allowed access to if you become a member of DMVR. If you go to the DMVR bar and you're a member, you get a 22 ounce beer instead of a 16 ounce beer. There's so many awesome perks, um, that, that come with being a DMVR member. And I hope you guys consider, uh, signing up because it really is a lot of fun. And honestly, a lot of that stuff becomes more fun. The more people we have, you know, the discord really is popping now because we have so many buffs fans and it's a lot of fun. Um, join us. Uh, you also get, if you, if you sign up for an annual membership or any membership that's longer than a year, uh, you get a free DMVR shirt. Um, you get access to weekly deals from the DMVR locker. If you want more gear, 
Um, and you also get a free recover holistic stick from Holistic Wellness. What is that you ask? Holistic Wellness is all about CBD. The stick will send you packs 10 milligrams of CBD, and this one is focused on recovery. All you do is pop the top of the stick, pour in any drink, stir, and consume. They are amazing and so easy to use. No mess. Just grab the stick, pop the top, and stir. Check out the reviews at holisticwellness.com. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com. Better yet, they're offering our listeners 30% off their first purchase when they use the code DMVR30. It's a great deal. Get an annual membership with a DMVR, and of course, you get that free DMVR shirt. You get the holistic stick, and you'll get another coupon for holistic wellness that you can use if you enjoy the holistic stick, which you will. Um, it's a banger of a deal. Um, again, the code is DMVR30. You can actually get five sticks of CBD There's in a, in a sampler pack. So there's one for recovery, sleep, stress, beauty, and digestion. So you check those out, see if any of them work for you and you can buy them in bulk after, uh, you can see what works best. It's, it's seriously a, a pretty cool product. So head to the DMVR.com today, become a member of the family. And while we're talking about CBD, green roads is another fantastic option. Uh, you probably know by now that we are huge supporters of CBD here at DMVR. Um, and as a consumer of CBD, you do need to find the product that works best for you. Um, we've been hooked up with all sorts of different products um, and everybody has had very positive reviews. Um, I know that there's like a specific like CBD thing that is meant for sleep that Ryan and Allie have used and Again, they just say it's incredible. Um, Green Roads is the number one privately held CBD company in the U.S. by market share. They've won a whole bunch of awards for their products. They were founded by pharmacists, and they're still being like, there's all of their products are still being formulated by more pharmacists. Um, it's it's a it's a good company that you can trust. And to prove that you can trust them, they put a QR code on every single one of their products. And if you scan that QR code you'll be taken to independent lab test results of their products that prove that they work. Um, they have an abundant selection of oils, topicals, edibles, beverages, um, so much good stuff. And you should totally check it out. CBD has helped so many people and uh, Green Roads is at the forefront of that push. And uh, they're also a great partner of ours. So again, check them out. Oh, I forgot. You can use the code DMVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Again, that's greenroads.com. You pick out your items, enter the code DMVR for 20% off. The tournament is in full swing, and the action hasn't disappointed. Except for, I, I can think of one game that disappointed just a little bit. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. If you bet $1 on any tournament game, you can win $100 if your team wins. It's that simple. Uh Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100, and all it takes is a $1 bet and for that team to win for you to cash that $100. It's a great deal. Um, there's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And if you aren't a basketball fan, 
DraftKings Sportsbook has 100 to 1 odds on select fighters for this weekend's UFC 260 as well. So download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up and turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code DMVR to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, we'll wrap things up here with Mark Smith and Brian Cook. Um, with Mark Smith, I think that the thing that sticks out to me the most is just uh, what a good guy he is. Um, and... Uh, he seems like a, a very bright person. Um, just in talking to him for a couple of minutes, those were my like big, big takeaways. You know, in terms of football, there were some good conversations, but there wasn't too much about like, here's what to expect from the buffs inside linebackers this season. You're like, this guy's about to break out. Da, da, da. It was more so about the position in general and how he views it. And I thought that some of the points they made were pretty interesting. Um, talking about just how the position has evolved and changed over the course of the last 20 years. Um, talking about how even things as simple as like the offensive linemen just line up a little bit more spaced out than before just to spread the defense out that tiny extra bit. And that's kind of what offenses are focused on right now is spreading defenses out. And because of that, a lot more of the movement that linebackers make is horizontal as opposed to forward and backward. Um, I almost said vertical, and I was like, well, that doesn't really make any sense because, of, of course, they're not, like, jumping up in the air for no reason. That's not, But, yeah, um, the point is, back in the day, linebackers, their job was to be able to run really fast forward, hit the right hole, and then hit a running back really hard and put them on their back. Now there's a lot more to it, and you need a totally different skill set and I really liked hearing that because I think that there are still some coaches, especially especially in college football, who can really cling to the idea that you got to stop the run. And you absolutely do. Like, that is where football starts and finishes is, you know, if you can just run on the other team, you're just going to do that. Like, you you are happy just handing the ball off 30, 35 times, taking what the defense gives you, and if you're still running at five yards a clip, just keep pouring it on. And, and defensively, if you can't stop the run, that's what the offense is going to do to you. It's going to be a long day. And, you know, it's a dangerous game, taking tacklers out of linebacker spots, but you need them to be able to cover too. And, and speed is important. And Mark said speed is important, and it's something that we need. Um, and and I, I do think that just hearing that should be a good starting point for a new inside linebackers coach. Um, he comes over from Long Island University. He was the defensive coordinator there, never coached a game. He, he had a great joke about uh, how he's never given up a point as a defensive coordinator. Um, but the reason they didn't was because when he got there – about a year ago they were planning on having a fall season but that just never happened um and they went through a lot he says he learned a lot like rushing the process to get ready um 
serving as a defensive coordinator, even if like he didn't actually get to do it in games. He said it still was very beneficial. Um, and now he's here. Um, he talked to Carl about a job last year, he said, and obviously didn't work out. Um, but they, he, he coached with Carl at Vanderbilt. They, they know each other or no, I think that was Brett Maxey who was at Vanderbilt. Now I'm struggling to remember where Mark Smith would have crossed paths. And, and I remember why. Because they hadn't, because he talked about Chris Smith and him crossing paths at Oklahoma. And I think, no, I think Chris, Chris Wilson, I might call him Chris Smith. I hope I didn't. Um, but Chris Wilson, uh, he was a defensive line coach there at the time. Um, and so they had that relationship, um, which everybody says was a very good one. Obviously, he's a coach, so there's some evidence of it. Um, and I'm excited to see what Mark can do with the inside linebackers. Um Again, he said he really likes all the guys in the room. He thinks that they have some uh, some guys with some potential. Um, in in talking to other people within the program, he's heard a bunch of very good things about uh, the players that he coaches, and he likes that. You know, um, he's from Texas, and he thinks that that's going to be a big help uh, recruiting wise. He was a, a very significant high school coach there for a while. Um, I, I, he said he was the president of an association. I'm actually not sure what that was. I'm going to check his bio real quick. Um, see if there's anything that jumps out, but I guess it was, oh yeah, there it is. Um, member of the board of directors of the Texas high school coaches association, uh, served as president of the North Texas football coaches association. Um, what he said was that gives you a lot of access, um, because he has all those relationships with those guys. He's, he's basically allowed anywhere in Texas high school football. Um, that's nice. That is a nice thing to have when, as he put it, you know, about a third of the roster comes from Colorado, about a third from California, about a third from Texas. So a, a lot to like. Um, he also likes that he can wear his cowboy boots to work every day. Um, likes Boulder, likes uh, the staff that's been put in place. And, you know, we'll see what he can do. Um, you've got, uh, Brian cook up next. He was, so he was a defensive quality control coach, um, last year. And I think the year before he was in the same position, but he has some experience with tight ends. He was the tight ends coach, uh, prior to this at Georgia tech. Um, and while he was there, he sent a couple of guys to the NFL, um, not big names, JP Foshi, Will Heller, um, but they were in the league a combined 10 plus seven years. So 17 years, that's pretty solid. Kind of tough to argue with that. Um, he said he split his time between offense and defense about 50-50. Um, the, the big stops on or in his career have been as the offensive coordinator at Cal Poly. Um, he was also the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for a season at Georgia Southern when Tyson Summers was the head, was the head coach. Uh, then he came to Colorado with Tyson Summers. Um, and then he was also the quarterbacks coach 
um, and B-backs coach, which has to be one of the triple option spots at Georgia Tech, um, which is interesting in 2014. So he's actually been there a few times. Um, I, as you all, or most of you probably know, I guess it's been a while since football season, I really like tight ends. It's kind of my favorite part of the entire sport. Um, Brian... Let's see. So here's here's one question I asked. I asked him. Um, so since you know tight ends have to do so many things, it's got to be kind of tough to uh, to recruit them because so few have all of those skills in high school. Uh, so basically, like, what do you look for in a high school tight end, and what do you think you can coach up? And one of the interesting things he said was. You know, there's really two types. There's the the blocking type and the type that's basically just a receiver. And with the blocking type, you really need to know their limitations. Um, what is their upside as a receiver? Because there's a decent chance that you're looking at somebody who, you know, is never going to be a Shannon Sharp type of tight end. Um, and that's just something you have to account for when you're recruiting somebody who does bring blocking to the table. Um, the other thing that you look for is with the receiving tight ends. And he said that it's actually really hard to gauge them without being able to see them in person. Because what you're really looking for is demeanor. You're looking for a willingness to block. You know, you can teach them how to block. You can put the weight on them. But if their head's just not in it, you're not going to be able to change that. Um, and I thought that that was kind of interesting. He talked about the way that the position has changed, all the different things that tight ends need to be able to do. Um, he he also actually here the 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 big takeaway honestly was things were winding down like as again these were like supposed to be twelve minutes but they were mostly like fifteen minutes per coach, and as we got into like maybe minute thirteen of the fit fifteen or fourteen of the fifteen, he said, you know, we haven't talked about Caleb yet. And by that, he meant Caleb Foria, the tight end who was a true freshman last year, which means he's a true freshman again this year. He's, he says he expects a lot from Caleb. Um, he, he expects him to be... Well, here's what he said. He said that he provides spacing in a way that we really don't have with most of the room. So what that means is he can spread a defense out. And, and my read would be specifically deep would be the tough part. You know, I have a tough time believing that anybody in that room couldn't take three steps forward, turn around, and just be a little safety option and pull a defender into the middle of the defense. Maybe open things up a little bit on the outside. Or maybe you open things up deeper down the middle because you're bringing a linebacker down and cover two. Whatever. The spacing that's tough to find is downfield. And if you can have a vertical threat at tight end then you can send him downfield, force the safeties to drop back with him, and keep your receivers underneath. That's an option that you have on the table with a guy like Caleb Foria at tight end. More than anything, just the fact that, you know, we weren't talking about a lot of guys. I think we'd only talked about Brady Russell. We talked about Matt Lynch um, and how he can add just a little bit more to his game this season. And the, apparently, if there's a number three tight end to watch out for, Caleb Forian, who knows? He might not be number three for long. That is why we love this time of year, is for just little tidbits like that one. And 
those are going to start flying in on Monday because the first question I know I'm going to ask, and it does suck that we're not just getting like one-on-ones with whoever we want every single day. Um, just because that would be, could you imagine if all six of us each had to ask for like three guys a day and then all of a sudden these poor CUSID people have to set up 18 zoom calls. Like it just doesn't work. Um, but people are going to be asking who impressed you today. And that is where you start to get a feel for what is going down. Uh, like I said, I'll be there for the scrimmages. I'm excited about that. And actually, let's hit one quick ad break, and then I'll just play the audio from the full call. It's it's about an hour, maybe a little over an hour. Mostly interesting stuff, though. So if you have an hour to spend, or you know you're just fired up that football's on the way, or you want to get to know these guys, go ahead and listen. It's a uh, it's good stuff. Um, real quick though, before I play that audio, Manscaped. Uh, we really, really, really loved Manscaped here at DMBR. Really love it. Um, and, uh, oh, here's here's something I should say. Did you fill, your, fill out your bracket yet? Hopefully you did because we're halfway through the tournament. Um, our sponsors, Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, want to remind you to do so. Their precision-engineered tools for your family jewels will help you turn that Kentucky Wildcat in your pants into a... I always forget about the in-your-pants line in there. It makes it... It's hard to say smoothly, honestly. Tell if you turn that Kentucky Wildcat in your pants into a South Carolina Gamecock. Um, Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer just for you college basketball fans. 20% off and free shipping with the code DMVR at manscaped.com. It's a great deal. They throw a couple of free gifts into their perfect package. That's what we recommend. You'll get the Lawnmower 3.0. You'll get the uh, Crop Reserver, the Crop Reviver, and those two free gifts. A pair of high-performance Vanscape boxer briefs. They'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. And a travel shed bag to store all your grooming goodies. Um, plus, your purchase goes toward a good cause because they partnered with the GOAT, Alex Caruso, Okay, I've got a little beef with that. Let it go. And the Testicular Cancer Society. No beef with that. Very good people over there. Um, To bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Um, They're really committed to raising awareness. It is the most common form of uh, cancer in men ages 15 to 35. Uh, They want to give support to fighters, to survivors, and to families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their we save balls initiative um again you can join them by uh using the code dmvr at manscaped.com it'll get you 20 percent off and free shipping they're all great products i think they like my colorado sway because when i'm in they play i don't really i don't really know just how to act and when i'm in it go you know i'm acting bad holly get a bus with my colorado sway my colorado sway my colorado sway
and they hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey, hey. You on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you. You can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage. We gon' win it at the line. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Green. Throwing blows, knocking down team after I team. They like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag Have you ever seen a Ram? Nine Boulder, Colorado Buffalo is what I am All the teams come and follow When I start, hit the field The opposing crowd swallow Cause they know I'm about to kill He gon' feel that tomorrow Whole team full of war Got me feeling tribal, big 12, here we come We ain't worried about arrival If you want it, come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival Why you make it, why you make it, yeah, you better bring your Bible Great big blind side, flat line, no revival Get them bust, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them If we don't, then we'll get them when we see them Then we act like my Colorado sway Cause when I'm in it, play